Jesus prioritized prayer. And if I want to be like Jesus, then I need to follow Jesus and make prayer my priority. You know, when you read the Gospels, uh, you see that Jesus had a habit of praying. Jesus prayed in the morning. Jesus prayed in the evening. Jesus prayed in a natural rhythm throughout the day. Jesus had a habit of praying. And Jesus taught his disciples to get into the same habit. But apparently those disciples struggled uh, with what exactly to say in prayer. So one day, somebody in the group came right out and said what everyone else was thinking. Jesus, we need help with prayer. Please teach us what to say when we pray. And Jesus said, thought you never ask. And then we have his response here in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We want to be like Jesus. And the only way to be like Jesus is to pray like Jesus. And that's why Jesus gives us this model prayer. But just to be clear, Jesus was, he was not giving us the only prayer. It wasn't like he was giving us exact words that we're supposed to just repeat over and over again. We know Jesus didn't intend this because Jesus introduces his prayer by saying, hey, uh, do not be like unbelievers who think prayer is just babbling the same words over and over and over again. No, Jesus gives us this model prayer in order to supply the framework for prayer. Uh, and in this message, I'm going to be calling this framework the priorities of prayer to fit in with uh, the habit that we're incorporating this week. But instead of priorities, I could just as easily call these the parts of prayer or the essential elements of prayer. It doesn't matter what we call them. What matters is that we understand that in his prayer uh, model, Jesus is teaching us how to pray in a balanced framework designed to maximize our joy and excitement in a daily conversation with God. So let's get into this with the uh, first prayer priority, which we could call the priority of relationship. Jesus' prayer begins, Our Father. And I think these first two words are the most important words in Jesus' whole prayer. Because in these two words, Jesus teaches me both who God is and who I am to God. These two words, our Father, are now famous worldwide and very familiar to us. But, but, but when Jesus first referred to Almighty God as Father, Jesus was teaching something that had never been taught anywhere anytime by anyone before. Not only was Jesus teaching new, it was shocking, it was jarring, it was even considered theologically scandalous because the traditional teaching at the time was that God was far too lofty to listen to ordinary people, far too transcendent for ordinary people to uh, address him in any kind of personal way. But then Jesus stands up and says, now, from personal first-hand knowledge, let me tell you the truth about God. 
He wants you to call him dad. That's right. Jesus said, God wants you to call him dad. And so following Jesus' example uh, numerous times, I'm going to refer to God as dad today, which will probably irritate some of you. So let me uh, explain why I'm doing this. The Gospels were written in Greek, which was the global language of Jesus' day. But when Jesus taught, he didn't speak Greek. He spoke the mother tongue of his disciples, which was Aramaic. And in the Gospels, uh, the writers carry almost none of Jesus' original Aramaic. In fact, they only preserve in the Gospels one word of theological significance. That one word was Jesus' use of the Aramaic term Abba. For instance, in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, in the middle of his gospel written in Greek, Mark goes out of his way to preserve Jesus' use of the Aramaic word Abba in Jesus' prayer to the Father. Mark felt it was important for his readers to understand that whenever Jesus spoke of God as Father, Jesus used the Aramaic word Abba, which was the word that little Kids used to refer to their fathers in Jesus' day. Abba means dad or daddy. And biblical scholars believe that this word Abba is behind every father reference Jesus makes to God, including the first word of Jesus' model prayer, where Jesus says, our Abba in heaven, our daddy in heaven, hallowed be your name. And notice that Jesus says, hallowed be your name. But uh, that's because we, you know, we always need to pray in an attitude of deep reverence toward God. But before Jesus said hallowed, Jesus' first word on prayer is Abba. Why is it the first word? It's because to Jesus, the most important aspect of praying like Jesus is having the same relationship with the Father he has. The most important part of praying like Jesus is knowing that I am God's child and God is my dad. Now, when it comes to your personal prayer life, you don't need to refer to God as dad. I do. I address God as dad all the time in my private prayer life. But if you're not comfortable comfortable with this, no problem. Uh, What is important is that you truly absorb the truth that God is your Abba. And that praying like Jesus is speaking to God like a child talks to a good, loving dad, which has many implications, but I'll I'll just mention one. By teaching you to pray to God as your daddy, Jesus is telling you that you should never come to prayer with feelings of guilt or dread due to feeling like you're a complete disappointment to God. No, Jesus is teaching that when you pray as his follower, you're coming to a father who completely approves of you because of Jesus. A truth that's summarized by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, where uh, the Apostle Paul writes this, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear but you receive the spirit of adoption as God's children. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You see that in the middle of uh, his letter written in Greek, the apostle Paul inserts the Aramaic word Abba because it was a 
famous word in the early church. Abba was famous because Paul and those first disciples loved teaching how Jesus used this word over and over to describe how God wants us to pray to him, like a child crying out, Abba, Daddy. So if you're God's child through faith in Jesus, then God is your dad, and he's not neutral about you. He's crazy about you. He goes around heaven bragging about you and showing uh, the angels pictures of you on his phone. Uh, This is the relationship that God wants with you. And God wants prayer to be all about you enjoying your relationship with him. This is so important because, frankly, the biggest problem people have with prayer comes down to a failure to understand that prayer is really all about a relationship with God. People say, I don't get prayer. God knows everything. So why do I need to ask for what I need? People say, prayer doesn't work. I ask God for things and nothing happens. So why bother? See, these prayer problems all stem from the mindset that prayer is primarily about getting things from God. It's not. Prayer is primarily about enjoying a relationship with the one person you can be totally honest with and who loves you unconditionally and approves of you. Absolutely. And right here, I just want to give you the thought question for the week. The question is, what's one step I can take to bring new joy and excitement into my daily conversation with God? So whether or not you're using this devotional book, I encourage you to incorporate Jesus' prayer habit and do at least one thing this week that will add new joy and excitement to your daily conversation with God. Uh, Maybe that means adding this Abba concept, or maybe it's adding the next prayer priority in Jesus' prayer model, which is the priority of worship. Because after praying our Abba in heaven, Jesus said, hallowed be your name. And in this brief phrase, Jesus calls me to the priority of worshiping God in prayer. Hallowing God means reserving for God the highest place in my heart's affection. It means setting God completely apart from everyone and everything else for this honor and devotion that he alone deserves in my life. And when we think of worship, many of us think of singing, but that's not quite right. Uh, My heart's worship can be expressed through singing, but the act of worship is not singing. It is focused attention. Worship is focusing adoration on God for who he is. You know, there's a difference between worshiping God and thanking God. Thanking God is praising God for what he has done. Worshiping God is praising God for who he is. And in this phrase, hallowed be your name, Jesus is calling me to the priority of praising God for who he is. And as I do, something really interesting happens because the more I focus on who God is, the more I experience God's powerful, unshakable, giant-killing peace. That's because, in large part, what I get in life depends on what I focus my attention upon in life. If I focus attention on my problems, I get panic. If I focus attention on my powerlessness, I get worry and anxiety. But if I focus my attention on who God is, I get his 
promised peace. When I focus on who God really is in worship, my giant problems shrink in size. That's why David could defeat his Goliath. Everybody else in Israel was focused on this unbeatable giant. But David came up to Goliath and said in 1 Samuel chapter 17, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the hallowed name of the Lord Almighty. And because David had this worshipful focus on the one who created the infinite universe, Goliath looked positively puny. So maybe this is the one thing you can add into your conversation with God this week. Worship. And see if your focus on your almighty Abba doesn't just bring a new joy, a new excitement, and a whole new peace into your conversation with him. The next uh, prayer priority from Jesus is the priority of listening. Uh, Jesus prays to Almighty Abba, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this phrase, Jesus is calling me to listen to God. And by calling me to listen, Jesus is exploding another myth about prayer. So many people are intimidated by prayer because they think of of it as a monologue. Jesus teaches that prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Prayer is supposed to be a conversation. And these words, your kingdom come, your will be done, is Jesus in his prayer creating space for me to stop talking and listen to God. And if I listen, I will hear God inviting me to become part of his exciting plans to bring a slice of heaven into my slice of earth and use me in the process. If I listen, I'll hear God's heartbeat and how he wants to use me to guide lost people I love toward his love in Jesus, use me to bring healing in Jesus' name, use me to make an impact with my life and make a difference in this world. So if you look ahead in the prayer, you'll see that the next part of Jesus' model prayer is where Jesus teaches me to bring my requests to God. But I think it is just really, really uh, perfect how Jesus teaches me to first ask God what he wants of me before I ask God what I want from him. And that's what I'm praying when I say, God, your will be done on earth. I'm praying God, what can I do for you? Uh, Do you have any prayer requests for me? Because, God, you don't exist to serve me. I exist to serve you. Please help me be and do what you want me to be and do as I listen to you. So this week, think about adding this kind of listening to your conversation with God. Because when I stop talking and start listening, well, that's where things can get even more joyful and exciting in my conversation with God. Which leads to the next prayer priority from Jesus, which is the priority of dependence. God loves it when you come to him with your needs. Why does God love it? Well, it goes back to the first word of Jesus' prayer, Abba. God is a dad who delights in providing for his kids, including you. That's why Jesus begins with the the words, give us today our daily bread. 
Who, who uses uh, words like these on a regular basis? That's right, little kids, that's, that's who. Jesus is intentionally using this daily bread language of childlike dependence, and it doesn't end there. Jesus goes from my physical dependence on God for needs like bread to my spiritual dependence on God for his forgiveness over my ongoing sin, for his protection over the forces of evil, and for his guidance over my life and my walk on a daily basis. Jesus ends his model prayer with the extended cry of childlike dependence when he prays, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In these words, Jesus invites me to ask God about my personal, relational, emotional, and spiritual needs. And you may be wondering, why? Why does an all-knowing God who knows what I need still want me to ask? Well, there are lots of reasons, but let me briefly mention two. The first reason that an all-knowing God wants me to ask is because asking grows my faith in God. God wants me to ask him for his specific needs so that when he acts with specific answers, my faith grows. And the more I ask God for specific needs, the more I see God acting on my specific requests. For instance, if I have a desperate need uh, for $1,617 and I do not ask God for help, well, God isn't going to respond with a miracle check for $1,617 because there's a good chance I'll say, wow, what a coincidence. But if I present my $1,617 need to God, and God responds with a miracle $1,617 check, God knows I will not say, wow, what a coincidence. I'll say, wow, what an Abba God. And my faith and trust in him just grows and grows. So God wants me to ask with specific requests so he can specifically answer. And maybe you've heard about a great opportunity for us to practice this together as a church. It's called The Prayer Wall. On a Friday, the exercise in this book is to write down three big prayer requests from your heart to God's heart. And since we're a committed community, we, we want to support each other. So we've set up a prayer wall in our parking lot where between today and March 7th, you can come by anytime to write down your big prayer requests. Or you can just pray for others' big requests and then circle them when you do. Or you can snap a photo of the wall so you can pray for all the requests. Or if you can't come here, you can send your requests via prayer at blackrock.org. So let's lift up some specific requests because the first reason God wants us to ask specifically is so that he can inspire us by acting specifically in response. The second reason the all-knowing God wants me to ask goes back to the very beginning of Jesus' prayer to our Abba. The chief reason God wants me to ask is because asking grows my relationship with God. God wants me to come personally to him and ask my personal requests because it means my coming to him in person. God wants more of me. 
God invites me to come and ask as part of his desire to just go deeper and deeper in a relationship with me. I don't usually tell stories where I'm the hero, but, you know, I make exceptions every now and then, like today. One evening around bedtime, back back when my kids were about five years old, my kids were very sad and very upset. I don't remember the reason, uh, but they were in their beds, in their room, and there was lots of crying in the dark, and it wasn't getting better. The crying just seemed to get worse and worse. Hearing my kids cry led me to do something kind of spontaneous. I put a beach towel around my neck and charged into their room with the lights on saying, never fear, Super Daddy is here. And Super Daddy saved the day with some bed bouncing and giggles and laughs and piggyback rides. And I don't want to brag, but it was a huge hit. My kids called in Super Daddy for three encores. Not only did it work that night, but for the next couple of years, this became a little tradition. When a kid had a very bad day or when a kid was sad and crying, somebody would say, let's call Super Daddy. And within about three embarrassing minutes, Super Daddy would appear. And like all little kids, my twins pushed the limits. They started manufacturing problems so that they could call Super Daddy. So we made rules. Burned toast is not bad enough to call Super Daddy. And it was against the rules to pretend to cry and call for Super Daddy. And there were also several occasions when my wife called for Super Daddy. But Super Daddy never came for her. Because Super Daddy can tell when people are calling just so that they can laugh at him. It's a superpower, comes with a cape. But whenever there were real tears and real hurt, my kids could always call Super Daddy, and he loved making things better. And once uh, Jen said to me, you know, it must be great to be a kid and have a Super Daddy. And I said, you know, having kids who love you enough to call you to the rescue makes it wonderful to be a Super Daddy too. All I can tell you is that you have an Abba who loves you. You have a super daddy who loves you. He is the superest super daddy of the entire universe. And he loves coming to the rescue in your life if you will just call him. I don't know where you are in your life right now. For all I know, somewhere inside, you may be crying real tears of real need. All I know is that wherever you are, your Abba is calling you back to the priorities of prayer. God wants you to call on him anytime, all the time, because that's the kind of relationship he longs for with you. So today and all this week, be like Jesus by using his model prayer to pray like Jesus and accept his invitation to take even just one step further into the joy and excitement of a daily conversation with him.